Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. All right, welcome into another FizzCast. Jaron May here with Brad Klein, and we have some breaking news, and we are here to break it down. The ACC is back, baby. Syracuse football will be playing in 2020. No question about it. Well, there, there might be a question or two, but we are here to break it down. The ACC announced today after just a few days ago, they said that they're going to take their time with figuring out how they will deal with the COVID-19 current pandemic. Uh, today, they came out and said there will be football, there will be all fall sports, and they outlined a plan to play entire detailed plan for everything going forward and when it comes to Syracuse football they will be playing with some guidelines obviously and a new schedule so we're here to break it down Brad let's first start with the new strict guidelines that obviously are in place to keep the players and everyone involved healthy and safe let's go through a couple of them um, and let's kind of just react to them. So the first one is testing will be happen will be happening every single week and has to happen within three days of a game day. What's your first opinion of this one, Brad? Testing each each week that is absolutely a no brainer. I mean, other leagues are doing it every day. I to me that kind of seems like if you're only doing it weekly then maybe the the schools just don't have the funds for it because they're not Major League Baseball, NBA teams. But uh, only three days before a game, I'd like to see a negative test actually the day before a game because it doesn't take that long to actually yeah. contract the virus. That's just the first thing off the top of my head. And that's the thing, Jaron. I mean, we're going to go through this entire list, and we're going to poke holes through all of them. It's easy from our vantage point. I think it's important to, to acknowledge that that we are in a comfortable position. The ACC and all the other conferences, is, conferences, they're not, and they're behind the eight ball with everything. So it's easy from our vantage point, but I'd like to see a negative test before a game day. Yeah, the, the, it's definitely a smart thing to be within three days. My My one point is in those three days, it's probably when you're going to be traveling. So if you're in an away game and you have to go down to Clemson, which Syracuse does, you take that test on, let's say the game is on Saturday, you take that test on Wednesday or Thursday, um, and you get the result back, but then you travel down to Clemson on Friday, that travel day you could easily contract the virus and you could have an entire outbreak. You don't know about it because you're not getting tested on Friday or Saturday. You play the game with Clemson and you transmit it to their team and you don't find out until a couple days later when your next test is um, the next week before the next game day. So like you said, having it a day before a game could be great once you get to the actual place that you will be playing could be great. The only thing with that is these results do take time to get back um, and that's also a hurdle that you have to that you have to try to get over. Yeah, absolutely and and hurdle to get after kid to get over. That's kind of the key phrase that I feel like it's going to end up being a motif here on this fizzcast. There are so many obstacles, financial, uh, in terms of health. There's so much to overcome right now. And and another 
Another one immediately to, that comes to mind is that the positive test results must be reported immediately and within a minimum of 24 hours. Now, that seems easy, but mm-hmm. what, what, what we're actually dealing with are COVID-19 test results. And if there's anything that we've learned over the past few months, it's that COVID-19 testing is not an exact science, which is something that we're basically looking for right now. COVID-19 test results are not an exact science. Now, health is the number one priority. But when you think about competitiveness and the score and the X's and O's, I can see a team being dramatically impacted by this rule because positive test results can easily come up when there's no positive test, a false positive. We've heard about this for months. So a, a team like Syracuse getting Tommy DeVito to test positive when he's not actually positive, that shuts down the entire quarterback room, maybe even the team, and that's a huge domino effect. Yeah, and it also worries me, and I don't know if this would actually happen, but it does worry me where some of the top teams, let's say Clemson, who goes undefeated, or Notre Dame, who's now included in the ACC, who has a great season, um, is up for winning the ACC, could be, and we have no idea where um, the situation of bowls are right now. But if there are bowls, if there is a college football playoff, if those teams are up there, and Clemson obviously is always in that conversation, if they're in that conversation and it's towards the end of the year and maybe a big lineman or a crucial player um, test positive and the team is like, well, crap, like we need that player. Should we report it or should we just keep going? Um, Kind of put them on the side. Like there, I wouldn't put it past universities to do that in order to win a national championship because that means so much and helps the university out. It's, you know, that's something that you really just hope doesn't happen. And that's a trust factor, right? At the end of the day, the government and all the decision makers here can say, wear a mask, stay six feet away, but there's no way to perfectly police it, right? And especially Mm -hmm. when you're on a secluded college campus without ACC staffers watching you every second of the day, there's no way it's going to to be policed perfectly, and there's no way that head coaches are going to be policed perfectly. So they could do something like that. Another thing I'd like to see, just piggybacking off of that, Jaron, is repercussions for something like that. And we've Mm. seen that in the NBA. You will be fined X amount of money if you do this. And we've seen players do some things. We've seen Rashawn Holmes go trickle off of the outside of the bubble to pick up a food delivery. So there have been cases like that in other leagues, and the the price has to be paid. So I don't know. I'm not going to go that far. Fingers crossed for that to not happen because that is that is career ending a, a career ending mistake for a head coach. Talk about yeah. a, a head coach that doesn't have control over his program. That is exhibit A, B, and C. Yeah, no that that would be absolutely horrible. And there was a point that you brought up that kind of uh, goes into another part of the guidelines that the ACC has released. Um, games can be canceled for a multitude of reasons, including an inability to isolate a player who tested positive, which we've been talking about, an outbreak at a school, and then they list a, a, a huge long list after that. But the outbreak at a school or even uh, testing positive, what you said just a few minutes ago was these players are also student athletes. These players also are going to be going to class 
among thousands of other just ordinary students. So don't count on that, Jaron. Don't count on that. I could see an exception, an exemption from in-person class activities for these students and just have all the students fulfill their course requirements online because that that's what they're doing for some other students that are not athletes that don't right. that don't earn the university millions upon millions of dollars there these all these universities are saying here's what we're going to do we're going to have in-person classes but if you're not comfortable then take it online that is an option that's a, that's that's an interesting prompt i mean yeah probably the big players want to do that there's also just like some of the at least in my opinion, and I, I do not play Division One college football, so I cannot speak to this, but if I were a, a, a someone that just rode the bench and didn't really get a play, I would also want to experience my, my college years and just being confined to my room. Uh, because I'm on the team having to having to take classes online, not being able to go out on the weekends, not being able to go pick up food, whatever it may be, just because I'm a college uh, football player that also doesn't really see the field, I would probably say, well, hey, screw this. I want to go take my classes, see my friends, go get food, whatever it may be. So that's also interesting. Let's go to another part of the guidelines. Um, and this one kind of is a little weird to me. The So the sideline, anybody in the bench area of a sideline has to be wearing a mask. That includes coaches, um, trainers, players, whoever it may be. Everyone on the bench has to wear a mask, which makes sense. But the thing is, if you're wearing a helmet, you don't have to wear a mask. And <laughs> football helmets, they, they don't really cover your mouth that much. They have a cage uh, in no. front of you. But if you spit, the spit's going to get through the cage. That doesn't change anything. Well, if only we knew this earlier. If, if only we knew in March that the cure to the, the coronavirus was a, a football <laughs> helmet. Think about all the trouble that we would have saved. No, uh, this is a joke. This is an absolute joke. And this is the biggest problem that I have with the ACC's approach to this. It's ignorant. It is absolutely ignorant to think, oh, the helmet is going to be no problem. And I understand that you don't necessarily want student-athletes wearing masks while running, while tackling, while playing, because I can almost see how that's almost a little unsafe to restrict, in a way, someone's breathing when they're performing at the highest level. I get that. But when they're standing there on the sideline, a mask is not enough, or rather a helmet is not enough. Let's not be silly about this. You're right. There are holes. Now, one thing, the NFL has toyed with the the idea of an Oakley uh, face guard. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting to me. And then we can have that conversation. But this helmet thing's a joke. Now, there was some type of verbiage in the ACC announcement about some type of face shield. They didn't go into details about it and kind of left it open. Uh, open-ended so maybe they are talking about that oakley face kind of mask type of thing um that 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 does cover your actual mouth part of your face uh but we'll see with that now my one other point that i want to touch on with these whole sideline face masks um debate is let's talk and i know we don't cover this here on the fizz but let's talk about the field hockey and the soccer players so you are a soccer player that is running up and down the field you're probably sweating you're absolutely tired you get subbed off and immediately you have to put a face mask on i mean i understand that that's the safe thing 
But if these players are going to be playing with each other, going to be bumping into each other, going to be interacting with each other on a day-to-day basis, standing on the sideline is not going to transmit this disease. I mean, if, if, if it is going to be transmitted, it's going to be transmitted in practice or out on the field. So if you want to have some type of safety on the sideline, spread the players out, give them six feet, give them eight feet, give them 10 feet, whatever. They have to be spread down all the way down on the other sideline, have the two teams on opposite sidelines in soccer, because right now they usually are on one side, especially field hockey is the same way. Spread them all out. Just the the face mask for those players that don't have a helmet on is going to be extremely difficult for those players to put on immediately and I mean, I don't really see the point in that. I I get it. And there's no, and as I mentioned earlier, there's no perfect answer. And we have to acknowledge that, that this is actually not a terrible job by the ACC. We're poking holes in everything they're doing. Not the worst thing that they could have done. As we're poking holes in everything that they're, they're proposing, though, my mind just immediately starts to race. What if? And that's a dangerous, slippery road. But what if? What if baseball happens to college football? Or only took baseball four days to have, what, Mm -hmm. 17 positive cases on one team? So what do you do there? What are the steps that you take to make sure that another outbreak doesn't happen throughout the conference? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, these are all great plans. And like you said, we are poking holes in them, but they are, it's a very detailed plan. It seems like they've thought through a lot of it. Um, And if it all goes to plan, it probably will be done correctly. But like you said, it takes, it takes two players. It takes one player to shut down a team, to spread through the team. Uh, it, it could take four days. It could take five days. Who knows? And all of this plan just could go right down the toilet. Um, but those are some of the safety guidelines that the ACC has released in their mm-hmm. return to play plan. And again, Jaron May with Brad Klein here on a FizzCast. Um, go check out our article, orangefizz.net. It is called ACC Football Announces Return to Play and a New Schedule. That's where we break down all of the new information that the ACC released today. And let's get to the second part of that article and the second part of the release. The ACC Football um, has released their brand new schedule, and basically it's going to be 10 games five home, five away in the ACC, and then they're going to add one more non-conference game for a total of 11. Um, And with these games, it's not going to be home and home, which was rumored to be the case earlier a couple weeks ago. It's just five home games, five away games, different uh, competition in all 10 of those games. And then those non-conference games, those opponents have not been released yet, but Syracuse's home games. Let's go through them first. And then we'll touch on the away games, their home games, Boston college, Duke, Georgia tech, NC state and wake forest. Brad, your thoughts. A uh, pretty soft home schedule, but I guess uh, that's kind of a be worn for the next, for the away schedule. Uh, the home schedule, I could see them winning what? Maybe two games uh, here. A lot of these are toss-ups, like Boston College, Syracuse. That's always a coin flip. And then Duke is a big question mark. They're a pretty talented team, but you take Quentin Harris out of the equation, 
And what do you have? And that's the that's the big question. Georgia Tech, NC State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, those are all middle-of-the-pack ACC teams, so they should be competitive, but ultimately their coin flips. Give me two wins for Syracuse there. Yeah, so... I, I maybe am a little more optimistic than you. I think Boston College lost their entire offense with A.J. Dillon um, leaving and obviously going to the NFL. Like you said, Duke is a good team. It kind of just depends on what day you catch them. Georgia Tech is kind of in a rebuilding year, um, and they have been. Again, it's a coin flip. NC State really hasn't been good since, uh, what was that, 2019 when they had nine wins. Last year yeah. they weren't great. Um, and then Wake Forest, they just lost their starting quarterback. Jamie so, Newman is gone, yeah. Yeah, so he's down in Georgia. So, like you said, all of those are coin flips. They could go 0-5 and, and I wouldn't be surprised. They could go 5-0 and and I also wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Um, the, the home schedule is not that difficult and it's kind of good. Um, it, it also kind of depends on where these games are lined up. The, the dates of these games have not been released. It's only who Syracuse is playing. Um, they also released the away team. So the away opponents for Syracuse, Clemson, and get ready for this. That's, that's a horrible way to start it for the away games. <laughs> but you're at Clemson, you're at Louisville, you're at North Carolina, at Notre Dame, at Pittsburgh. I can't tell you a harder away schedule than those five teams. No, I, that's pretty much as tough as it gets. And, and Louisville, you, you take Clemson out of the equation just for a second, which is hard to do. To get Notre Dame, that is a tough pill to swallow. You know that you if that you're if you're Syracuse, you know okay, it's not fair. But the virus, Notre Dame has to play somewhere. It only makes sense for them to play in the ACC. Fine, come in, Fighting Irish. But to get them on the road, that yeah. is that is something that you could not have expected coming from a mile away. If you're Dino Babers, and now it's here, so you have to go to South Bend. You have to play at Clemson. And then the other three games aren't easy either. North Carolina, they could win that game. I don't see them winning any other away game besides North Carolina. Mm-hmm. No, complete. Well, North Carolina is actually going to be a very good team. Um, no, they'll be good. I'm not expecting them to win that game. I'm just saying they could. I'm not expecting them to win in Louisville or against Pittsburgh on the road. I, I think that they have a better chance against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is always a toss-up. Um, they always play tight games that that seems like they always come down to the last play. So they Pittsburgh, always play Syracuse tough. They always play up against Syracuse. They do, they do. But Pittsburgh could be a win. I don't see a win against Notre Dame or North Carolina. Louisville, no. maybe. I think Louisville, other than Pittsburgh, is your only other possible win. But again, I don't think so because Louisville has a lot of momentum going into this year. Then Clemson's Clemson. The only thing about this away schedule, and you say, okay. Well, there's probably not going to be any fans in the stands, and if that's true, there aren't any fans, then who cares if it's an away game or a home game? Sure, like you can kind of say that, but also you'd much rather play the best teams at home, even if there aren't fans, because then you don't have jet lag or you don't have to deal with the travel day or you don't have to worry about being in an away locker room and you're nervous to catch covid 
Like you just don't have to have those stresses if you're home. If you're home, you know exactly what you're going to get. So yeah, maybe fans aren't going to be that big of a deal. Like Death Valley isn't going to be normal Death Valley this year, but still you'd much rather have Syracuse's away schedule at home in their home schedule away because they're playing the harder teams on the road and the easier teams at home. Yeah, but Jaron, it's more than that. Not every team on this schedule has Clemson and Notre Dame, the two best teams in the ACC. Miami is only playing Clemson. North Carolina is only playing Notre Dame, and that's it. The only silver lining to Syracuse's away schedule, and I, I sincerely mean this, they don't have to go down to Florida. Florida State, Miami. They don't have to touch mm-hmm. it. I would not want to play in Florida. Period. I, yeah. If I was a if I was a player on at the U, if I was a player for Florida State, I would consider opting out of this season. I would seriously consider it. And if I was a player for any of the other teams visiting those teams, I would seriously consider it. And to be honest with you, Jaron, one of the biggest gripes I have with this ACC plan: Why are they playing games in Florida? Why even do that? You're right. There's no home field advantage. So you're not going to have the tomahawk chop, even if it's PC or not. You're not going to have those fans for Florida State in Tallahassee. So just play your home home games away. Play them on the road. Even even if they do that, the the students are still returning to Florida, practicing there, taking classes there. You can't take the students away from their campus. I get that, but that's not a good enough reason for me to jeopardize what 90 other people no i mean it makes sense like i like you said i would not want to play in florida either that is the last place i want to play it goes florida then texas and then i mean anywhere else down there is really is is not great but like those are the top two states that i do not want to play in so the sec good luck with figuring that out but i digress like i like you said i don't want to play florida i don't want to play florida state so that's a silver lining right there um but you also can't neglect those two teams leave them off the schedule or say hey guys you can't have your five home games you have to well maybe if you maybe look jerry maybe if you're a glass half full guy and this is a a a ticket out a a get out of jail free card for the florida state and for the miami student athletes like hey we know that you go to school in florida we know you don't want to be there because of the covid so just get out play your your home games on the road take your classes online and be a nomadic football team that would be that would be a good <laughs> idea. I mean, I mean, who knows? Um, but hey, that's gonna do it for this Fizzcast. Jaron May wrapping it up with Brad Klein. Make sure you go check out our article on OrangeFizz.net. It's titled "ACC Football Announces Return to Play and a New Schedule." And of course, follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz for all of the updates because I'm sure there's gonna be more information coming out. As we go, the first couple games are set for 40 days from today. Syracuse football is returning, and the ACC will be back with sports in 2020. Thanks so much for tuning in for this FizzCast. For Jaron May and Brad Klein, we're signing off, and we'll see you next time.